Hi there, and welcome to this episode of the Love to Tell the Story podcast. I'm Michael Lowry, pastor of East Congregational United Church of Christ in Concord, New Hampshire. When Mary anointed his feet with costly perfumed oil, it was an amazing and utterly extravagant gift of love for Jesus as he drew very near to the cross. Well, perhaps it's not oil that we have to give, but nonetheless, as persons, as a people, and most especially as the church, you and I also have much to offer Jesus. That's the subject of today's message, which is based on John chapter 12, verses 1 through 8. It's entitled, For Jesus. And as you'll hear, this message includes some reflection of my 10th anniversary as pastor of East Church. Though it happened many years ago now, back when our children were still only toddlers, I remember this conversation like it was yesterday. I was chatting with one of the deacons of the church I was serving at the time, and he had made a comment to me that I was looking very, very tired. And I answered him, oh, it's, it's nothing. Just that Jake's not sleeping well right now. And consequently, neither Lisa or I are sleeping well. He's being all cranky. And at the same time, Sarah, she's been really fussy as of late. I think she's teething. Suffice to say, Ted, that this, it's very, very crazy at our house right now. And as the deacon nodded sympathetically to all my complaints regarding our family's plight in that moment, I added this. I don't know what's going on with these kids. Just some phase they're going through, I guess. And to this, my deacon began to laugh. Loudly and quite long. Oh, Michael, he said, trust me here. This, the man who had two daughters of his own at the time, one in high school, the other in college. Trust me here, Michael, as soon as one phase is over, another one begins. The phases never end. <laughs> Let me just say this, that in 30 plus years now as a parent, I have rarely heard spoken such a wholly fulfilled word of prophecy. <laughs> No sooner, friends, than you get through the terrible twos and the fearsome fours. Then there's all the stuff that goes along with starting school. There's, there's the skin knees. There's broken hearts. There's moving from being a tween to becoming a teen with all the growing pains that entails. And this is to say nothing of, of what awaits when they become teenagers. There's boyfriends and there's girlfriends and semi-formal dances and am I going to get asked to the prom? And then there, oh, and then there's getting a driver's license. You see, <laughs> familiar? <laughs> My friend was absolutely right. It is always one phase after another. And that's true, got to say, even these days when as adults, our children are facing the joys and the challenges and sometimes the heartbreak of their own lives. Including, as you know, making us grandparents, but I digress. 
And I tell you all this, but please don't get me wrong. While I am going to be the first to admit to you that some of those phases along the way have not been altogether easy, most of it, 90% of it, I'd say, has been wonderful. And I wouldn't trade any of it for the world. And you know what? Unless I miss my guess, I'm thinking that most of you can relate. Because at the end of the day, you see, it's all about love. It's all about love, isn't it? Simply put, when you love your children, you will do for your children whatever it takes. It's actually what one Presbyterian pastor and author, whose name is the Reverend Dr. Anne-Marie Kidder, it's what she refers to as pouring ourselves out for someone. And it's definitely relevant if you're a parent, if you're a grandparent, if you're a caregiver. Basically, you do what it takes. You do with less to boost their finances, she writes. You cut your vacation short so you can babysit. You move closer to them as to be a better position to help out. But, Kidder goes on to ask, do you record all of this in the ledger because you expect something in return? I'll bet you don't. Some things, you see, are wholly and completely, abundantly, and extravagantly about the love. In our text for this morning that Sherry shared with us from John's Gospel, we are told that just prior to Jesus' Palm Sunday triumphal entry into Jerusalem, he and his disciples are in Bethany at the house of Lazarus, who has just been raised from the dead. Lazarus and his two sisters, Mary and Martha, for what can really best be described as a dinner party. And at this dinner party, at some point during the evening, Mary offers up an extravagant gift of her own, taking a pound of costly perfume made of pure nard from the spike nard plant. Very expensive. The cost of this, this oily perfume it, it would, would have been like 300 denarii. And that would well have represented Mary's life savings. So it's no small gift. And she took this and she poured it all out to anoint Jesus' feet. And then, since there was excess oil, she wiped it away with her own hair. John tells us that the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. If any of you uh, have like essential oil diffusers like we have in our house, you make this little mixture of wonderful scents and eventually it, everywhere you go in the house, you smell it. And so it was in the house of Lazarus. But here's the thing I have to imagine that as much of that wonderful smell that was in the house, the house was probably filled also with the sound of very stunned silence. The awkwardness of this moment, broken only when Judas angrily and dubiously chastised Mary for wasting such a valuable item that could have well been sold to benefit the poor. 
Well, you know the story. Jesus saw this differently. And he recognized the gift for what it was, an extravagant expression of deep gratitude. Leave her alone, he says. She bought it so that she might keep it for the day of my burial. And then, presumingly, uh, turning towards Judas, Jesus adds, you always have the poor with you, but you do not always have me. Now, questionable though his motives might have been, however, we really do have to admit something that we don't like to admit because it involves Judas. He was right about one thing. It's hard not to concede here that under ordinary circumstances, Mary's gifts might well have been considered to be over the top and wasteful. After all, this nard, as I mentioned before, was extraordinarily expensive. And typically, only those in royalty or those in holy office were anointed with it. And then, as Jesus indicated, most usually this anointment took place at the time of burial. And it really was not in any way, shape, or form considered to be uh, the massage oil for an after-dinner foot rub. And not only that, if I might quote Anne-Marie Kidder once again, Mary now wipes the remainder off with her hair. Mary, she says, is pouring out her savings unto Jesus, letting her hands and her hair do the talking as if to say, I am pouring out to you my entire life. Unlike with Judas, there's no ledger being kept as to whether it's what's been given is too much. There isn't any sort of, of silent guessing as to how much Judas might have skimmed off the top for that money that would have been made from that oil. This was all about Mary's love for Jesus. So filled up was her heart with the joy of his presence. And it should be say, said here with gratitude for the fact that her brother Lazarus, who was dead, is now alive. So what else could she do except than to respond in the most lavish way possible? And that meant quite literally to pour herself out wholly for Jesus. And it was definitely, most definitely, worth the cost. There's a whole lot in this particular text that is striking to me, especially given that it comes so close to Palm Sunday, that's next Sunday, friends, and so near to all the events that are about to unfold at the cross. There's much more in this passage, quite honestly, than we have time to address here this morning. But I have to tell you this, as I returned to this passage this week, it seemed to me that it really was particularly relevant to this particular day. And in so many ways I could name. It's relevant to what we do together here as the Church of Jesus Christ. It is relevant to who we are as East Congregational United Church of Christ. And it's not altogether different, really, than what Mary did for Jesus. 
Now, granted, friends, we don't always see what we do that way. Sometimes we don't intend for it to be seen that way. We're just doing what we do. But let me just say this today, that when we are at our best in this place, the ministry that we have shared as pastor and parish over the past 10 years has been every bit as abundant, every bit as extravagant as Mary's gift for Jesus of that fragrant oil that permeated the room in that house of Bethany. And let me tell you something else. Every bit of it was just as much for Jesus. I'm thinking of all the laughter that we have shared as a family of faith over the course of a decade. Laughter, while very often silly in nature, weren't you lucky to have a pastor so deeply immersed in dad jokes and bad puns? <laughs> but also, it was a way for us, our family, to feel welcome all those ducks that we received when we got here, the odd ducks, as you call them, all the times that whatever was happening around here, we needed healing, and healing comes with laughter, all those times when there was tension and we needed to diffuse it in a hurry, how many times in darkness when we really needed to have light and the laughter brought light. I'm thinking of that. I'm thinking of all those times, conversely, when we've cried together, especially when we were grieving family members and friends who have passed from our sight. I say it often, and I've said it recently. What better place to cry, if you need to cry, than right here? We grieved, but at the same time we celebrated those we'd lost from our sight as being the full recipients of God's sure and certain promises of life abundant and eternal. I'm thinking about that. I'm thinking of all the many times of worship we have shared in this beautiful sanctuary, beautiful and historic sanctuary. The times of, of prayer and music and word and sacrament and singing and guitars and organs and everything else that we have done here. Times when the Holy Spirit was palpable in its power and its leading. I'm thinking about that. And yes, I'm thinking of all the celebrations we do around here. We do like to celebrate at East Church, don't we? And I'm remembering Christmas pageants with kids and adults dressed up as shepherds and wise men. I'm remembering little kids singing, the Virgin Mary had a baby boy, bouncing up and down on this stage, trying to play with the candles when we didn't want them to. <laughs> I'm remembering all those pageants. I'm remembering Easter egg hunts, which we're going to do again in a couple of weeks. I'm remembering children's Sundays. I'm remembering the potluck dinners, pastoral anniversaries, ordination anniversaries, and so much more that have served to remind us of all the things that we can say about the kingdom of God, most certainly it's a party. And I'm thinking 
about all the work we do in and out of Sunday worship. Mission projects, the fundraisers, the holiday fair, the yard sales, the bean suppas that have always, almost without fail, gone better than we initially expected they would, even if there was the occasional bump sometimes in getting there. And I'm thinking finally about all the annual meetings, all the budget crises, all the times that personal worldly concerns hovered in and around our lives. And of course, I'm remembering two years worth of pandemic. Something that taught us, if nothing else, friends, that we are the church no matter where and how we worship. And the thing is, it's all of it been filled with faith and joy, with hope, with the unpredictable movement of the Holy Spirit and with ongoing opportunities for growth and above all, it was filled with love and all of it, every bit of it, friends, has been for Jesus. Beloved, you have honored Lisa and myself with this celebration today. And I'll say it again, it's been an amazing 10 years having the privilege to serve as the pastor of this incredible church, the little church that could and can and does. We thank you for everything you are. We thank you for everything you continue to do for us. It means more to us than we can possibly, possibly tell you. Most of all, though, we give thanks to God's abundant grace in bringing us together as pastor and parish way back in the April of 2012, and for all that we have been empowered to do together as disciples of God's Son and our Savior, Jesus Christ. And I'm here to tell you that there's more to come. Truly, beloved, may everything that happens as our second decade begins be holy, completely, abundantly, and extravagantly for Jesus. Thanks be to God. Amen. And the people of God also said, Amen. And that's the message entitled, For Jesus. It was recorded during our April the 3rd service of worship at East Congregational Church in Concord, New Hampshire, where, by the way, we gather for worship each and every Sunday morning at 10 o'clock at the church on 51 Mountain Road. If you're visiting New Hampshire this springtime and looking for a place to worship, or if you're seeking a church home, we would love to welcome you here. I think you'll be glad that you came. And with that, we come to the close of this episode of the Love to Tell the Story podcast. I'm Michael Lowry, and I do thank you for listening today. And until next time, may God bless you with a great day every day. We'll talk to you soon.